Welcome to your second episode of the week for District Divided. I am your host, Amit Singh. Thanks again for listening to the first one with Ben Robinson, who provided a more national perspective and a more analytical perspective to the draft and how the Redskins did. This episode has Kadeen Wiggins, and we talk a bit about the numbers as well, but we also talk about the fit for the team and was Antonio Gibson a reach, for example, because as Ben had said, his EDP was 134, but he ended up going 66. What does Kadeen think about that? So we get into that. We get into the NFC East a little bit. We make fun of the Eagles for taking Jalen Hurts in the second round. It's all a good time. So once again, for the podcast, please follow on Twitter at District Divided. Follow on IG. Again, that's also District Divided. And then Facebook, both the page and public group. The public group is where you can actually interact with fans and me. And those are both called, that's right, District Divided. So with that, it's just an interview with Kadeen today, folks, but it's very entertaining. So kick back, relax, and enjoy the show. Joining me this week for the third time, Kadeen Wiggins, Mr. Redskin. Might as well just start calling him that at this point. Kadeen, what's going on, brother? How you been? I'm good, bro. I'm uh, just, you know, trying to still maintain my sanity in the whole quarantine, the age of quarantine. But, uh, nah, I feel good. I feel good. Overall, I feel good. Plus, we got some sports on the TV, and the Jordan documentary's been awesome. So, yeah, I'm feeling good. Yeah, exactly. So, I'm glad you've been able to find some peace within the sports events that are going on right now. At least the NFL draft, and like you said, the Jordan documentary, Last Dance is really, really good. Um, maybe we could talk about that a bit more offline, but right now, what were your thoughts on the draft coverage? I mean, it was pretty wild, right? Because everyone's at home and Roger Goodell's in his basement. I'm sure that was quite uncomfortable for him. Um, why don't we talk about that? What were your thoughts on the draft coverage this year? It was by far, in my opinion, the most entertaining draft I have ever experienced. Now, I don't know if that's because of this whole sports drought thing. So it's like, you got to take everything with kind of a grain of salt. It's like when you see a brand new movie, you love it, you walk out of the theater, oh my god, that was the greatest thing I've ever seen. You watch it on DVD and you're like, holy crap, what was I thinking, right? One of those yeah. sort of things. But overall, just the amount of like laughs you had, like the, the all the draft rooms, seeing Cliff Kingsbury trying to stun on everybody out of his living room in the mansion, seeing uh, the Mike Grable's family acting a fool inside their house. Like it was just, you got a little taste of everything and it wasn't all the pomp and circumstance you usually see other than the commercials trying to get everybody to cry. It was, and I it, it gave you a glimpse into people's actual lives. And I thought it was, it made everybody a lot more personal. Even Roger Goodell, I mean, we kind of all called it, like I was I was calling it forever that he was at least going to have some people booing. It was nice to he, have him on like the Zoom calls with the booing fans in the background. Um, and, and seeing the, the draft picks like around their families and seeing like the interactions that they have with them. And even from a Redskins standpoint, seeing like Ron Rivera call some of these guys up and you just see the emotions and everything. Like the most you got is what you saw in the green room for most drafts. And then the rest of it was just looking at the talking heads on ESPN to really see it like all throughout the rounds and just how this is impacting all these guys. It was just, it was really, really cool to see. I, I actually hope that they institute more of what it is we saw this year and the drafts going forward. 
Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And uh, I thought it was one of the most entertaining ones too. I'm starting to think about it. And you know when you haven't had water, like you're very dehydrated, it's just been a while and you finally have that sip of water? I think that's yep. what this was. Is we've just been so deprived of sports that anything's going to taste great right now. And that water suddenly has flavor to it and it's good. So maybe it's a bit of that but honestly i loved it too i really thought it was cool and again seeing those guys with their families just celebrating the moment with them fantastic now last time you were on you had mentioned five guys tyler biotis dallas cowboy now god then the eagles eagles are the reason to blame for that well we'll get there we'll get there we'll get easy there we'll get there then we got ashton davis and he is with the new york jets now We've got Van Jefferson with the LA Rams. We didn't really even get a chance at him. Davion Taylor, Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, so we've got Howie Roseman and Jerry Jones listening to District Divided. We really appreciate you listening, but please stop listening when we're talking about draft advice. Um, <laughs> and if you could give, who was that last guy you had mentioned? Slipping my mind right now. Uh, there was because um, I'm looking at my list because there was Davion Taylor, right. the, the linebacker. Oh, Ben Barch. Ben Barch. Ben Barch. Ben Barch. That's right. right. Yeah, and we ben had Barch a chance at him. He... We had a chance at him. Uh, we did. We... I was kind of holding out hope, but he goes to Jacksonville, I think, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Round four, pick 10. We had round four, pick two. That was pretty eventful, too. Uh, end up getting Sadiq Charles and moments before trading Trent Williams for a third rounder next year and a fifth rounder this year that turns into Keith Ismail. We'll get to Trent in a moment. But of the guys we chose, okay? And again, I can quickly list them for you and all our listeners. Chase Young, first round. Then we have Antonio Gibson, running back wide receiver from Memphis in the third round. Sadiq Charles, Antonio Gandy-Golden in the fourth round. Fifth round, Keith Ishmael, Kalik Hudson. Seventh round, Cameron Curl and James Smith-Williams. Was there any one player in particular, besides Chase Young, of course, that was your favorite pick by the Redskins? Well, here's the thing. So I was looking at the list that I had for you, and what I was trying to do was kind of keep it like as concise as possible when I was talking to you about the draft because I could have gone on a lot longer. And if you give me the opportunity, I'll always journal on. But there was actually another guy on my list that we actually did draft. And I was really, really happy about it. Antonio Gandy-Golden. So he's a guy that I was like, I heard a lot of things about this dude, kind of like around in circles and you start picking up like, all right, he plays for Liberty University. So it's not like they're going to get a lot of TV run or anything, but it's Liberty's kind of a university that like, I'll keep an eye on just because, uh, yeah, shout out to Liberty University debate camp, summer camp, 2005, which I was a member of that just made me kind of look out for those guys. But I, I heard stories about this dude that was just like a phenom at everything that he was doing. And you see like ESPN start talking about him too. I love this dude. It's just from a mentality and an intangible standpoint, which I always put more stock into when it comes to the NFL draft and maybe anything else. I like to see where a guy's personality is and where his head is. To me, that's even a bigger indicator than a lot of the stuff that they do with the combine to tell me whether or not a guy is going to be successful or not in the NFL. I want to see if somebody's a sponge, if somebody can uh, to, can hold on to information, if somebody really, really wants to strive to be the best, if they got a chip on their shoulder. And this is a dude that if you look at about his life, he doesn't like when things are easy. He loves a challenge. He's a dude that goes in there and he, he, he does everything he can be to be the best he possibly can be. Like when he started out, he was his first sports was gymnastics. Apparently he was phenomenal at gymnastics. He plays football in, the, in Liberty University, which means that he's not really getting a whole lot of looks. But even there, 
there, he was putting up some gaudy numbers, and he was doing a lot of really, really good things. His size is impeccable. He's like 6'4", 200-something pounds. He's got a big, big frame. You can kind of see the way he kind of gets separation, and what he can do with his hands are just amazing. But outside of football, like, what, he picked up a bowling ball for the first time a few months ago. You give it a few weeks later, he's bowling a perfect game. Outside of that, he started playing guitar. They already say, I mean, he's starting to learn songs on the guitar. I don't know if you saw the interview on ESPN. His record on a Rubik's Cube is 40 seconds. He did in an interview on ESPN while he's talking about the excitement of getting drafted. He knocks out a Rubik's Cube in a minute and eight seconds. Um, he, The dude is just somebody who you can see is just a personality that I love for that locker room. I love to see somebody who's going to strive to always be the best. So it's a lot less to do with X's and O's compared to the personality of him. I just love this dude. But all those picks like around that area, Antonio Gibson, Sadiq Charles, and Antonio Ganny Golden, I freaking love all three of those guys. Okay, cool. And uh, shout outs to Antonio Gandy Golden for surviving uh, when Liberty University opened their campus back up during the coronavirus pandemic. Well done, Antonio. Congrats on becoming a Washington Redskin as well. One of his many talents is survival as well, so can't leave that out. <laughs> Um, just a sidebar, as much as I might root for Liberty University in a lot of ways, does not necessarily mean that I condone a lot of what it is they do. I just <laughs> want to put that as a disclaimer. Yeah, no, and that's the correct <laughs> disclaimer to put in there, Kadeem. That's why you're on the show right now. No, Antonio Gandy-Golden, I totally agree, man. The guy is a beast. He's 6'4", 223. He plays that Z spot, so that means he's going to be playing strong side by the tight end. And he can make plays on the outside. Again, that big body. I still remember doing a Dwayne Haskins film session. I think it was against the Giants... It's either the Giants or the Eagles. He throws up a ball to Cam Sims. Quick little post. DB had no chance, and Dwayne loved throwing that ball. Trust me. So adding a guy that can consistently make that kind of play, the one that Cam Sims made because Dwayne threw a perfect ball like that, could be nothing but good for the Washington Redskins. So very happy with the Antonio Gandy-Golden selection. Now, moving on. Antonio Gibson, for example, now people love him, but his expected draft position was 134 we take him at 66. He has 39 catches to 33 carries. Would you say that maybe we reached on him and that he could have been taken later? No, not at all. And I think that that's the one that I, I hear most Redskins fans kind of scratching their heads over. Probably the Antonio Gibson pick. But to me, it's the one where I look at him and I look at a lot of the I look at the stats and I say that, OK, we don't necessarily know what we got with this guy. But the the way that the, the same way that you put it, when they talked to him on the phone right after he got drafted, they asked him, hey, have you talked to the coaching staff? Like, did, have they told you, like, what position you're going to like, what position you're looking to play? He said, uh, yeah, I, I, I think they right now you could just list me as weapon. I freaking love that. You have a guy who can pretty much go anywhere. Just imagine, like, as you said, he he caught the ball more than he ran the ball. But listen to this. On 77 career touches, the dude has 33 broken tackles alone. That's insane to me. Then if y'all was to do a comparison between, if we're talking about just combine stuff, right? If I had a player A and a player B, player A... 226 pounds, player B, 228 pounds, player A, 4.3140, player B, 4.3940, player A, 17 bench reps, player B, 16 bench reps, player A, 16 inch vertical, player B, 35 inch vertical, pretty much the exactly the same, right? One of them's Jonathan Taylor, the other one's Antonio Gibson. The dudes has all, we, he might be the best running back in this draft, but you don't know because they didn't give him the rock that way. 
We just don't know. All you can see is if you look at his numbers and you look at just what he's been able to do with the ball, 15.5 yards per touch, 11.2 yards per carry, 19.3 yards per catch. He's just a playmaker. And to think that you could have a backfield with him and Darius Geis in there in a two-back set, or him and Adrian Peterson there in a two-back set, have him move out in a motion lineup right next to uh, Steven Sims or line up somewhere... There's so much you can do with that kind of guy. I looked at what Carolina tries to do with the Curtis Samuel, what Carolina tried to do with Christian McCaffrey. I heard that Scott Turner is in love with this guy. And if he is, then I can imagine there's going to be a lot of ways that he's going to be able to fit him in. And it is 100% a great tool for Dwayne Haskins to have. Yeah, and here's the thing. His expected draft position was 134. If you're going to take him at 66, you clearly love the guy. And that's much more, it, to me lending itself to a Christian McCaffrey type versus a Curtis Samuel type. You don't reach plus, what, 70 or 80 just to get a Curtis Samuel. You're doing that because you think you can get a guy. I'm not saying he's Christian McCaffrey, just to be clear. But if you can get even half of that or anything like that, I mean, huge win. Huge win as a weapon for Dwayne Haskins. Now, a couple other undrafted guys that came in. We got Thaddeus Moss, tight end out of LSU, wide receiver, Oh man, I'm blanking. What's going on? What is happening to me right now? Isaiah Wright from Temple, and we got Jonathan Johnson from Missouri. So for those guys, do you think with Antonio Gandy-Golden, with Antonio Gibson, did we add enough around Dwayne Haskins to say, hey, this was a good draft? Yeah, at least from what I look at, but I've always had this love-hate relationship with the draft and the way that we think about the draft, okay? Um, so like, even what you said, just to go back just a little bit, as far as reaching, I don't ever, I don't necessarily ever believe that there's such a thing as a reach. If you have a guy that you want, go get the guy. I don't care what anybody else's draft board looks like. This is not the way the NFL works. It's like, I hate that groupthink mentality sort of aspect of stuff where everybody's trying to look for where it is. There's value in this value in that. If you got a guy that you want and it's on your board, go get him. Um, outside of that, I mean, if I'm looking at the pieces, you, you, you probably look on paper and say, all right, well, maybe they didn't add enough wide receivers. Maybe they didn't add enough tight ends, but it kind of goes to my philosophy as far as what it is. I think the Redskins need to be the most successful. And I think the best thing the Redskins could have done to help Dwayne Haskins out is actually drafting Chase Young. And that's just a matter of getting the defense back to where it is they need to be to put the offense in a position to actually win games. I I look at the Redskins defense and I'm seeing like I spent a while over the last few weeks trying to do some research as far as like where it is the Redskins fit when it came to like where they started on offense. So like average field position. And what situation they were when it first started. The Redskins started on average every drive on a on the uh, on their 29 down or sorry on their own 28 down by six points. That's the average when the Redskins got the football. That's the average of what's happening. That shows me you got a defense that's giving up entirely too much. You got a special teams that's not doing enough. And I'm looking at the guys that we get on the draft. If you got a defense that'll be able to pressure the quarterback, get some interceptions going, or at least getting some guys off the field, that's going to give Dwayne Haskins an opportunity to actually put some points on the board and not have to drive 85 yards every freaking time that we need a field goal or anything going to get in a go, getting going. So, like, to me, if you make the team better, you're helping Dwayne Haskins. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go get a stud-wide receiver to get him better. Terry McLaurin is going to get better. That receiving core is going to get better. 
I look at maybe there's some things that I'd like to see them do on the offensive line a little bit more, but I still think the free agency is not quite over, and there's still a few guys that I'd like to see them add. But I look at the draft, and what I said before the draft itself was that we just need players. This team is not one guy away from being successful. We need as much talent as we could possibly have to try to move in the right direction and stop looking for some quick fix on anything. I love that answer because I would agree. I would say that between Antonio Gibson, Antonio Gandy-Golden, Isaiah Wright from Temple, the thing I love about him, he scores at Lincoln Financial Field. That's what he's been doing his whole career there at Temple. So you never, never say no to touchdowns in Philadelphia. So uh, that's pretty cool from an undrafted perspective. And yeah, like you said, if uh, those are truly the average numbers for starting field position and how many points were down, improve that defense. Chase Young is a perfect pick because if you can get to that pa- if you can get to that quarterback, excuse me, then you're going to put Dwayne in a position to maybe get that ball in a tie game, maybe even up three. Dare I say it? So who right. knows? I really like I really like the way you approach that. Now that being said, you were speaking more to the overall level of the draft. Now that's offense and defense. Were there any sort of like head scratching picks from the Redskins where you were just like, I, what were we doing there? No, because in all honesty, as long as it's more talent coming in, I'm fine with it. There was nobody that like screamed off the. Now, I think probably if I was to reach for any, maybe you give me a Sadiq Charles, right? Just because of the disciplinary issues and looking at what Ron Rivera is trying to do as far as to change the culture, right? But from what I heard behind this, from what I've heard, a lot of his suspensions, as far as Sadiq Charles has been, um, at least his most recent one, has been because of substance abuse, which is mar- marijuana in NCAA. Well, with the new collecting and bargaining agreement, there are no suspensions for marijuana use. So smoke up, Sadiq. I don't care. That's probably <laughs> be the only thing that I'm looking at that I would say, oh, man, maybe we don't necessarily need that guy. But the value you get for that guy, bringing him in here, the talent that he has, and the fact that he can smoke and it's legal in D.C., who cares? And they they always say that he's more of a follower than he's a leader, but if you look at the Redskins' locker room, anybody who can even be remotely considered an issue is gone now. Um, they I, I'd like to see maybe they, like, I, I'm really hardcore, and, like, I really want the Redskins to go pick up Jason Peters. It's just a personal thing. But if they got a guy like that, and you got an LSU guy in Sadiq Charles, and having him be around the Darius Geis, who has not been a problem at all off the field or on the field or what have you. I mean, he's barely played, but still. If you have him and you got a guy like Adrian Peterson to kind of take him under his wing, maybe he can at least start to follow the right guys and turn into a leader in his own. Fair enough. I mean, again, he's a young kid and he's shown plenty of talent. So to get that in the fourth round, I don't mind it, especially for the reasons that where he wasn't on the field, those are now no longer an issue in theory. So right. I do think he can end up being a good player. There's some questions about his length on the outside. So maybe, you know, you can move him into guard even. You had some questions about the offensive line. And then if you picked up a guy like Jason Peters, the Redskins have the second most cap room right now, Browns being in first. Yep. Then you can go ahead and now you have that left tackle in Jason Peters. You can have maybe a left guard or something like that, or even a right guard. Keith Ishmael, who you end up getting in that Trent Williams pick. Actually, let's go there. So Keith Ishmael can play center, left guard, right guard. So you're starting to establish some depth. So what about Trent Williams leaving? Third rounder next year, fifth rounder this year. All things considered, right? Would Mm -hmm. you say that it was a good move by the Redskins? Because I would say on the one hand, they did not get a lot of value. But on the other hand, how much value could they have possibly gotten from this situation? It was a mess. 
it's one of those situations that it, it kind of feels almost Kirk Cousins like, which is that at the end of the at the end of the road, you're kind of left with this situation where it's well, damn, I wish we could have got more with Orm, but or when it came to Kirk Cousins, to be like, uh, well, I mean, maybe instead of giving him all the franchise tags, we could have we could have gotten something for him. We could have gotten a contract and maybe put in position to trade at a certain point. With the hand that was dealt, it was the best possible outcome. And it's one of those things where I look and I say, Bruce Allen's an a-hole. We could have gotten rid of Trent last year. We could have gotten a lot more value for him last year. Because of the situation we were sort of in, because of the last front office and the way that they did things very hard head-like, left you in a situation where especially when it started coming out at the very end between the between um his his agent and what it is the organization was saying and all this that and the other you can see ron rivera and those guys are like you know what? we just gotta end this thing we just gotta end it we can't bring it in the next year look redskins had more leverage than people to give him credit for they could have sat him right there and say look you can either play force or you don't get paid this year with the new cba they decided not to do that. They had more le- the Redskins had more leverage this year than they had last year with Trent. And they said, "You know what? We're not going to bring this distraction in." And I appreciate the move. Everybody could just breathe a sigh of relief, thank Trent for what he's done over the last decade here in Washington and just move on. Yeah, because it really should because he has been absolutely phenomenal as a Washington Redskin. There were even questions, would he be in the Redskins ring of fame? Of course he should be. Absolutely. I think he should be or because he's been fantastic throughout his career he's played injured he's a warrior okay so all the bad mouthing of trent and he's probably one of the main reasons bruce allen is gone now so for me build a statue of the man outside of fedex field or wherever that new stadium is going to be because he saved us years and years of more pain and suffering so thank you trent for everything that you did uh speaking of kirk cousins how funny is it that he vetoed that trade he don't want to block for kirk anymore he's just done with it he can't do it anymore Uh, it was it spoke it spoke a lot <laughs> yeah i i just love that i was like oh my gosh man this guy he just <laughs> he's he's calling the shots now so good for trent good for trent and again all things considered decent value and we had the opportunity because of the move to get sadiq charles and keith ishmael now one thing i wish we had done was take a bryce hall corner from uva i talked to ben mm-hmm. robinson about it a little bit the guy had an expected draft position of 11 entering this season okay it dropped to about 20 by the time he got injured, and then it dropped all the way to around late second, early third round. He was available at 156. He goes to the Jets at 162. What are your thoughts there? The guy was second team All-American 2018, and he's first team All-ACC in 2018. An injury cuts this past season short. Do you think we should have gotten him instead of a guy like Keith Ishmael, who is... Now, we need O-line depth, but, uh, you know, last I checked, C.D. Lamb just went to the Cowboys, and the Eagles acquired every single wide receiver in the damn NFL during the draft. Don't you think we should have gotten a guy like Bryce Hall or some corner to help us out there? Trust the process. That's where I'm at. It's one of those things where, especially on defense, I trust Ron Rivera. I I trust Jack Del Rio. If they didn't have that guy as high and they wanted to go another route, I trust the board. I like the picks. I'm not questioning any of it. 
Trust me, I had my list of guys, and st starting to see some of the dudes that you do a mock draft, you like, you start to fall in love with his numbers, you start looking at all those highlights, and you got that guy penciled in, and you're like, ooh, man, that's good value. I'd Redskins look like they can pick this guy up. I try to stay away from that as much as possible. Um, ben Barch and Tyler Biotish probably got me as close to that <laughs> as I did this year, but... Um, I'm I'm fine with it. I'm not I'm not one of those guys that's gonna look back and be like, oh man, we could have gotten this, or we could have gotten that. It is what it is. The draft to me is one of those things where it's there's no perfect system to it. I don't I'm not a second guesser when it comes to it. It's just it's it's not in my nature. And um, you can either trust the front office or not trust the front office. If it was Bruce Allen still in there, trust me, I'd find a million ways to cut this pick all the way up, right? Because there's a there the, there'd be a lot of more evidence back to me that I would say that all right certain things are not going to work out, but I I trust Kyle Smith. I think the last I think last year's draft was a pretty good one, and I think this year's draft. I mean we won't know until they hit the field, but I I I don't have anything I'm second guessing right now. Yeah, uh, always moving forward. That Damn is right. what Kadeen Wiggins does. We're not brought to you by Toyota, but we are moving forward. I'm going to charge Toyota for that a little bit later once uh, once it's a bit bigger. But um, now, moving to the roster, it's nearly fully formed. What are your revised expectations heading into this coming season? I think they're, they're, it's cautious optimism, right? Because you, you go off of this... Um... There's a Redskins fandom sort of thing that you do where, like, you try to look at everything and try to gauge some sort of hope. Then kind of, depending on where you're at and where the team's at, you kind of lose hope. But you look, you try to go back even as far as when Alex Smith was playing back in that 2018, right? And you say that, all right, Alex Smith, team was 6-3 and three before they got hurt. And then, like, everything went to hell. And then the, the Case Keenum thing looked okay at the beginning. Then he went down and bring in Dwayne Haskins. And then you got a three-win season. I'd say right now, the way I'd look at it is that I don't see anything in the draft itself other than Chase Young, and I don't think that's enough for me to say, okay, now the Redskins are a 500 team. I just I, I don't see anything that's happened this offseason that makes me believe that other than the coaching staff changes. And to me, the coaching staff changes as far as what happens on defense and if they're schemed properly and we get out of this stupid 3-4 defense and do a 4-3 with the talent that we have. I think if there are enough improvements on defense alone, I'd be looking at at least double the wins that we had last year. And that's sort of where I'm at right now. I'm not expecting Super Bowl next year. I'm perfectly okay with not even making the playoffs next year. I'm in a rebuild mode doing whatever it is that we need to do to put the steps in play to, to have a team that's going to contend years going down the road. So I'm not looking for anything quick. So, I mean, looking at this offseason, looking at this, looking at the roster itself, there's still things I'd like to see us do. Like, I'm looking at free agents. I brought up Jason Peters earlier. Like, even a Logan Ryan, even though he plays slot, and I'm looking at Fuller. Maybe you move Fuller outside because I know Kansas City was even talking about doing that more. Um, I don't know. I it, It's just one of those things. I, I try to look at it in the sense of the division. And even when I look at the division, I almost see, like, it's the NFC East A and the NFC East B. And I think you can pretty much put together who I have in A and who I have in B, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I still look at us as a 500 or a sub-500 team. And that's okay in my book. I don't know about everybody else, but that's okay in my book right now. Okay, well, you just alluded to uh, NFC East A and NFC East B. Why don't you go ahead and elaborate? From top to bottom, how would you rank the NFC East? 
I think the NFC, now we're talking about like, if we're looking at after a draft and seeing what a team has done, and it, it, can you look on paper and say, okay, wow, they actually did something and now they've just improved their chances. Number one in the NFC East, as much as it, hurts, it pains me to say it, is the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, their offense already is loaded with Dak, uh, Zeke, and Amari, and you add a CD Lamb to that, it's scary. Now, you get Travis uh, Frederick that just retired, which is like, it was a big shoes to fill. And I know that they, they drafted the they, 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 they drafted a few guys, including the guy that I really like. But um, they, I look at Dallas and saying, okay, if I'm looking at a team last year to this year, I'd say in, they've improved. So I put them at top of the division. Philadelphia is always going to be right around. I mean, they won a Super Bowl not that long ago. Their shame hasn't changed all that much. I like a lot of what they've done this offseason for the most part. Um, I just think they're going to be there. And what they've done as far as adding that, uh, what that wide receiver had, uh, TCU, Jalen Rager, Rager, Rager. Um, I, yeah, I, yeah, Rager. Rager, yeah. I, I kind of like where Philadelphia is going to be. I always think they're going to be in the mix. So I'd probably look at those two guys, those two teams vying for the NFC East title. Um, and then we go on the NFC B, which is going to be right now. It's kind of a toss up between the skins and the giants. I probably put the skins above the giants just by a little bit. And that'd be mainly because of the chase young pick and what it is. I think the Redskins can do on defense. We don't have a transformative figure like they do in tra- Saquon Barkley, but even with having Saquon Barkley healthy for a good portion of last year, they still didn't win many games. So um, Daniel Jones is still a young cat, just like Dwayne Haskins is still a young guy. They're going to go through their challenges. Um, and I think the upside with some of the Redskins receivers might be in a better position than some of the young guys they have in New, New York. I think New York did a lot as far as trying to get uh, offensive line help there for, for, uh, for Daniel Jones and for Saquon Barkley. But to me, offensive line is something where you got to kind of learn it. It's not something that you just turn on or turn off. So I'd probably look for them to sort of get in a position where two years from now, the offensive line picks work out. They'll be in, they'll be in the running with this. And maybe the NFC East just overall is healthier. But right now, if we're going down the ranks, Dallas, Philly, Washington, New York. Okay, cool. No, that makes, that makes sense to me. And I would actually agree with your assessment there. How funny though, was it when the Eagles took Jalen Hurts in the second round? What, could you walk me through that? Maybe you have, you see something I don't. That make no sense to me. I understand Carson Wentz has a bit of a durability issue, but it would still take quite a bit of time, and that's quite the pick. If you really want to help Carson out, just continue investing in that O-line. Why Why Jalen Hurts? What do you see there? Because Nick Foles got traded in Chicago and they'll never win a Super Bowl with Carson Wentz. They need somebody to come in there and take him over the finish line. That's it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's the playoff quarterback. So they have reinvented the whole game here. Jalen Hurts... With maybe some championship pedigree, that's what you're going with? Here's what I'm saying, is that if the Philadelphia Eagles win another Super Bowl, and the only way I can ever be okay with it, I'm not, never mind, I'll take that back, I'm never okay with it, but there would be something funny about Carson Wentz leading them into the playoffs, him getting hurt, and then Jalen <laughs> taking him across the finish line again. Again. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be the most amazing dynamic, maybe ever in the history of NFL. Car- I don't oh know what you could compare Carson Wentz to at that point, but Lord knows I'd love to see some crap like that. <laughs> I, I would probably equate him to a great starting pitcher. Okay. He gets you through seven innings, and then all of a sudden, hey, let's get the relief, let's get the closer, let's just get it done. Huh? That might be it. 
That might be, hey, look, maybe maybe Peterson's on to something. Maybe that's what he's realized. He's like, look, we, we're going to need two quarterbacks to take us through this thing. Maybe he creates an entirely new thing. Trust me, I actually think as far from a team standpoint, just because of track record, the, that pick made a hell of a lot more sense to Green Bay's. <laughs> just going off a track record, <laughs> what it takes to win a Super Bowl right away. I think maybe they're on to something. Hey, listen, fair enough. A backup QB in Philadelphia did win a Super Bowl recently. And so, just who saying. knows? I mean, maybe, maybe they just didn't like Nate Sudfeld enough. We know about him. Maybe they just didn't like him enough to be able to continue that experiment. So, Jalen Hurts, Philadelphia, every wide receiver in the draft and in the NFL, now with Philadelphia. Well done, Howie Roseman. I, I mean, props to them, though. Honestly, getting Flash Goodwin and just swapping six-round picks was, I thought, great business. For the Philadelphia Eagles. I will give them that. No, you got to give credit where credit's due. You can. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, with that, Kadeen, you, as always, have been a fantastic guest. I love being able to just talk about the skins and just be a homer about it. And, uh, man, I can feel myself getting sucked right back in. And just each time I talk to you, it's patience is a virtue. But at the same time, let's go. 16 and 0 is right around the corner. Kadeen, thanks so much for being a part of this once again. And just, you know, continue to live in quarantine and hopefully we can get out soon. Hell yeah. Just watching old RG3 highlights. Getting it through. (laughs) (laughs) Remember 2012, folks. Remember 2012. (laughs) And that'll wrap up today's episode of District Divided. Once again, thank you to Kadeen Wiggins. I, of course, forgot to ask him to plug himself. So I know his IG handle. It's KingDub21, K-I-N-G-D-U-B-B-21. Please, please give him a follow on Instagram, and if he has Twitter and stuff like that, I'll be sure to get that info back to you. But for now, thanks again for listening. Hope you're enjoying yourselves, and Polly Polo, you know what to do. I spent my whole damn life in the city. Anywhere I go, DC's coming with me. I spent my whole damn life in the city. I can go for broke, but the capital is in me. I spent my whole damn life in the city.